Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I want to take communion with you all tonight, and I, and I believe I have found something in the scriptures that for me is eye-opening. And one thing about communion, can I be a little admittive tonight? I think about five years ago, I don't know if I could have clearly preached the gospel. I don't know if I could have. And let, let me explain that to you. In the preaching world, you, 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 are, you are taught indirectly. Say indirectly. Indirectly. That once you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and you understand that he came into the world through the Virgin Mary and that he died for our sins, that he was buried three days later, he was resurrected and he raised to life and he's sitting at the right hand of, of the Father. And when you come to know him and come to faith in him, you are saved forever. But in the preaching world, and that is true. Everybody say amen to that. That is true. That is, that is the ABCs of the gospel. You know, it's not, it's not through works that we're saved. It's by, by faith and faith alone. But something happened to me that, that can happen to anybody now, during that whole period, I did not live an immoral life for those 20, almost 20 years. I didn't live an immoral life. I thought I was a pretty good preacher until I had an encounter with the Lord. And, and as a, like a Rolodex in my mind, I couldn't think of many times I ever really preached like the ABCs of the gospel. It's almost like when you get saved, it's graduation. Like you don't need to sit at the cross, the foot of the cross anymore. You just, you really need to just preach revelation that God gives you and you get into signs, wonders, miracles, and you know, you want to blab it and grab it and you want to get to your destiny. You want to fulfill your calling and, and something happens. It's like a boiling, boiling a frog slowly, slowly, but surely it brings you so far away from the cross and you wake up one day and you look around you and the gospel is no longer about Jesus Christ anymore. It's about you. And it can happen to the best of them. And I think that's probably what happened to me. And um, I remember when the Lord had me start the church four years ago. It was as clear as I'm talking to you. Not audible, but the Lord said, I want you to take communion both private, privately and publicly on a regular basis. And it shouldn't be a once a month thing. It should be weekly, if not daily. And, um, and so that's what we're going to do tonight. And I want, I want to go through some scriptures. It may seem a little bit laborious. Can I break all religious rules and read more than what I normally would? And I am going to go uh, from Genesis to Revelation. What are you going to do about it? You know. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and I certainly won't be. Uh, but I want to go to Genesis. Excuse me, Exodus. We're going to go in Exodus. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. And if I could have everybody's attention, 
uh, for the next 15 minutes. And I want you to open your heart and don't allow me to lose you as I read these scriptures because what I, I believe that the scriptures reveal to us is so profound. It's no new revelation, but what I have found the scriptures to be is the, is, it, it is a, it's a living word. It is alive. And the more you dig, the more you find. And I want, I want to suggest to you that in the book of Exodus, Passover was the very first communion. And now, how many know that Jesus was before the world was? Do you understand that? That Jesus was before the world, meaning, you know, when God said, let, let us make man the capital U, meaning us, Jesus existed before the foundation of the world. Everybody say, Jesus existed before the foundations of the world. So both the, the Old Testament and, and all throughout the Old, the Old Testament, there are shadows of Jesus. It, it's shadows. Say it was shadows. It was, a, there, it was foretelling something of something that would be revealed. You know how the scripture says we see in part and we prophesy in part? So, so the scriptures was unfolding little by little, unveiling little by little of the coming Messiah. And it started all the way back really in Genesis. But I want to go to Exodus and I want to read Exodus 12 verses 1 through 14. Uh, it should be up on the screen. And it says this in the New King James Version. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning months, and it shall be in the first month of the year. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a what? A what? Say it again. A what? A lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small, like it would be for me, we'd have to get two because I eat so much. My wife, see how she's looking? She said we'd have to get three lambs to feed him. Take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb... Let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Now, now let, me, let, me, let me say this. The reason that God had instituted this originally was for something called the Passover feast or the Passover. Everybody say the Passover. Now, it's not going to give a, a, a lot of description here, but the reason Passover was instituted is because God sent nine plagues uh, to Egypt because Pharaoh would not listen to Moses. As a matter of fact, he didn't listen to God through Moses. Moses, God said through Moses, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses would not let the children of Israel go. And so God sent nine plagues, but this stubborn Pharaoh or king would not let them go. So God sends this, sends this last plague that he knows will break Pharaoh's spirit. And this plague would be called the Passover or the Passover lamb. And what the children of Israel did, it'll give some description, is each household would get a lamb, would cut the lambs. Uh, I'm seeing little lambs out there, so I don't want to be less descriptive. It would, they would kill the lamb. The lamb wouldn't even make a bleep. And and they would take the blood from that lamb and they would put it over the lintel or what we know as the door jam above the door. And they would 
place the blood on top or paint it on top. And what would happen is the death angel came that night when everybody was sleeping. And if there was a male child, a firstborn, everybody say firstborn. Come on. Jesus was the what? Firstborn in the New Testament. So every firstborn male child would die if that blood was not over the lintel or the doorpost. Is everybody following me? And so Pharaoh hadn't been given that command. So his child dies and therefore releases the children of Israel uh, due to this, this plague. And so it reads on and it says this, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats and now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So the timing was important. Notice that Jesus, anyway, remember how the sun, and it was darkened and all of that. So there's, that's key to note. Remember when Jesus died and the earth shook and the clouds became, the sky became black. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And then they shall eat the flesh. What are they going to do? Somebody say eat it. They will eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread. Notice there's bread there as well. And with your bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Now I'm going to just pause there. I'm not going to read the rest. So that night the death angel passes over those houses where the blood was put over the lintel. Now, how many know why the death why the death angel passed over? Because of the blood. Now, most people think that the death angel passed over because they recognize, "Oh my gosh, that's the blood. We better stay away." That was not the reason that the death angel passed over. The reason the death angel passed over and didn't touch the male child was because they saw that death had already visited that house. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do, do you know when Jesus looks at you, when you come to faith in Christ, you confess him, believe in him with all of your heart and you confess with your mouth? The reason God can forgive you is he, because he doesn't see you, he sees the blood. He sees the remission of sins. So that's why the death angel passed over the house because they thought death had already visited and the male child was already dead. That's why it says we must become dead to our sins but alive in Christ. And so listen, we fast forward through the scriptures. Is everybody following me? We fast forward through the scriptures and something stood out to me. This, this shepherds, how many enjoyed the shepherds? All the handmade clothing. Didn't they do so wonderful? That was so wonderful. You can give them a hand for that. I'm gonna read this very briefly. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you this chronological order and then I'm going to digress back and I wanna highlight something in the scripture that for many, many years I had not seen. So everybody staying with me? Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20. It says this, now there were in the same country, what? Why shepherds? Why would God call some obscure shepherds in the wilderness? What did shepherds oversee? Sheep and lambs. Those lambs were so cute by the night, by the way. And they were living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. 
And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which should be to all people. And there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Say, this was the sign. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away into heaven that the what? The shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem. Does everybody know what Bethlehem means? That's right, house of bread. And to see this thing that which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph. And, the, and this is the reason why I'm here, this verse right here. And they found the babe lying in a what? Manger. And when they had seen them, they made, they widely, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning the child. And all who heard marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, now, why in the world would God send this kind of visitation, so to speak, to shepherds? I asked you that just a moment ago. And it's clear because God wanted shepherds because everything that God does is symbolic. Everything is symbolic. Say symbolic. The Passover was a type of communion thousands of years ago. When Jesus was born in that stable. I mean, we think about the shepherds. Why shepherds? Because they know how to tend and care for sheep and lambs. Why, why a stable? He was born in a stable. Say a stable. Do you think that God just, do you think that God was upset that there was no room in the end? No, 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 no. God is way more in control of people's lives than they want to give him credit. This, we're talking about the son of God. We're talking about God, the omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful, God Almighty. It's not that he couldn't have pushed his way and made some room and gave my, my wife, when we drive to the, the market, she's always praying for favor. I'm like, honey, I never get a front spot ever. Like, and she's like, no, watch, we're going to get one. And almost 99.9% .9 of the time, somehow she finds, I don't know how she does it. At least the second pass, she gets the first spot in the front row, like where we don't have to walk very far. I'm like, I don't waste any time. I just park in the back. So do you think that God could, doesn't have the power to show the kind of favor? I mean, you and I probably read that story and, and, and think, to my, think to yourself, well, if I owned Motel 6 back then, I would have certainly gave Jesus at least, you know, the suite. But God was saying something to humanity when he allowed there to be no room in the end and put him in a stable. What are in stables? Sheep, animals. And not only that, so we say, why shepherds? Why? Because they know how to take care of lambs. They know how to take care of sheep. Why a stable? Because that's where animals like sheep and lambs are born. Why a manger? We'll get to that in a minute. Listen to what John the Baptist says after Jesus comes of age when he's 30 years old and he's about to be baptized. He says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 28 through 29, these things were done 
in Bethbara beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus come, come toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Everybody say the Lamb. In Luke chapter 22, verse 14, I'm really going somewhere, I promise. Jesus leads his apostles in what is communion. Say communion. And he says this in verse 14 through 20. It may or may not be up on the screen. It says, when the hour had come, he, meaning Jesus, sat down with the 12 apostles with him. And he said to them, with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you. Everybody say Passover. Passover. Communion. Everybody say communion. Communion, Passover. Everybody getting this? Passover, communion, communion, Passover. I've desired to eat. Everybody say eat, because that word right there is important. Eat the Passover with you before I suffer or before I'm slain. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my blood which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup. Everybody say the cup of victory. He took the cup after supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant and my blood which is shed for you. Peter coins it. I want to lay some real groundwork because I have to overemphasize. I want to overemphasize this precious night. I want to overemphasize that when Jesus was born, he was born not, as, not just as the Messiah, which he was, not just as the Savior, which he was, not just the King of the Jews or of the world, which he was, not just God incarnate, which he was, but he was the very Lamb of God who was born in that manger, born to take away the sins of the world. He was the Lamb. He was the Lamb. In 1 Peter, Peter caught the revelation. 1 Peter 1, verse 18 through 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without a blemish, without spot or wrinkle. Now, those of you who are in this place who maybe your mother showed you, look at what Peter says. He says, you are not saved or redeemed like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers. Listen, religion cannot save. Grandma Susie's traditions that you keep cannot save you. Uncle Wally's traditions, although they may be awesome, cannot save you. Only the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ the blood that came from the Lamb of God who was born in the major in Bethlehem of Judea, only his blood and the knowledge that his blood was shed for you can save you. Only Jesus can do that. Come on, somebody say amen. I want to read a couple more and I promise I'm done. Then we fast forward to the book of Revelation and here's what it says. 
Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. And I saw in the right hand of him. This is after the resurrection. Say it was after the resurrection of Jesus. This is John the Revelator or John the Beloved. He called himself the Beloved. Don't ask me why he refers to himself as that. It's like Rick saying, uh, the one whom Jesus loved. You know, if you're referring to yourself. So he was quite, quite confident that he loved God more than everybody else. <laughs> he said, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll and written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy? And we're about to tell you who's worthy. Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven, nor on the earth, nor under the earth was worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Everybody say a lamb. As though it had been slain. Everybody say Jesus. It goes on to give this wild description of having seven horns and seven eyes and which are the seven spirits of God, which I don't have time to get into that part of it at the moment. It was sent out to all the earth and then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And then when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the what? The lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your what? By your blood and out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. I hope what I've read from Exodus to Revelation has established the fact that God ordained, not man, that Jesus would be born likened unto a lamb. Not just any lamb, the spotless lamb. All throughout history, the 
slaying of the lamb and the sprinkling of blood and the cooking of the lamb was a part of the traditions of our forefathers. Whether they're Messianic or Judaism, whatever it might be, Passover was super important. Now, now why is communion so important? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Somebody needs to glue that a little better next time. Honey, we're not letting you decorate anymore. I'm just kidding. She didn't do it. I want to reverse back to Luke chapter 2 verse 8. And I want to have everybody stand to their feet. And I want to drive this point home into your heart. If I may have a communion element. Rick. If you could bring that manger. Thank you, sir. I have one. Thank you so much. Does everybody have their communion elements? Are you able to grab this manger? And I would like you to put it right here in the front, if you can. Just the manger, Rick. Thank you. It's okay. I want everybody to grab. Just open your element there and grab the bread here. It's okay, guys. It's fine. We'll put it on your shirt and just get a little pin put on your shirt later Luke chapter 2 verses 8 I thought this was so beautiful and then one of the last few verses it says let, let us now and this is the main scripture again Why? I, what I want to underline overemphasize highlight in our Bibles let us now go to Bethlehem which means what? bread house of bread and to see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger why the manger I wondered why the manger all these years I wondered all these years Scott I wondered Dean all these years what in the world my brother hit me with it recently, my, my biological brother, he says, why in the world would Jesus come in a manger? Because everything that Jesus did, that God did, everything from revealing it to the shepherds, to Jesus being born in a stable, to the star, because he's the bright and morning star, right? All of these symbols, symbols, symbols that were showing. But why the manger? Does anybody know why the manger? I, I looked up, I just Googled, I was in my office before I, I walked in tonight. I Googled what the manger, what is a manger? I literally, this is a paste from Google. I mean, I know I'm a country boy, so I kind of know what mangers are. He's, he's country too, he's shaking his head and he's like, he's a good old boy. The word manger comes from the Latin word munducare, which means to eat. A manger or a crib is a wooden or stone feeding trough or food box that holds hay or larger farm animals like cattle, horses, and donkeys. Mangers were located wherever livestock were kept, places like stables, corrals, or caves, so the animals had a place to eat from. That faithful night 
that Jesus came Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. When Jesus was put in that manger, this was communion, a prerequisite, a, a, a foretelling of what God would want us to do with the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Jesus essentially was put in a trough as a symbol that one day humanity would not receive life unless they fed on me. Lord Jesus, oh, what a powerful truth. Oh, what a powerful truth. What a powerful revelation, Lord. As we hold up this bread tonight, as we take Holy Communion on this wonderful, beautiful Christmas Eve with so many brothers and sisters in the Lord, God, we take a moment to remember what you did on the cross, how you were born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. You even said in your word that unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. You said in John chapter 6, you said, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead but this is the bread which comes down from heaven that you may eat of it and not die. You said, Jesus, that I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And, and it goes on in that scripture that says the Jews argued among, themse among themselves and they said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat this flesh, the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Forever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. I will raise him up in the last day for my flesh. Huh. The lamb's flesh, Jesus' flesh, is food indeed, and his blood is drink indeed. He who eats this flesh and drinks this blood abides in him, in him. Everybody say in him. Abides in him, in him, in, uh, in, in him and us, and, and vice versa. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, for this body, this bread that reminds us of your bruised and broken body on the cross, that reminds us of the Lamb of God who was put in the manger that we would one day need to eat from, spiritually speaking, so that we could have life, not just life, but eternal life. As we hold it up, Lord, and we break this bread, we remember, and may our minds be forever branded regarding your broken body that was offered up on Calvary's cross. We receive it tonight, this Christmas Eve, by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, as we lift up this cup of victory, your blood, your precious blood, your blood that was given for the sins of the world, your blood that still speaks of better things than that of Abel. From Genesis to Revelation, your blood still cries out, mercy 
over the sinner, redemption over the lost. Lord, as we drink this tonight, God, I pray that you would purify our minds and renew a right spirit within us. And may this blood forever brand us, forever stain our lives, Lord, that we might walk uprightly in a manner worthy of your calling upon our lives. Lord, as we drink this, I pray right now, even over this room, that every single yoke would be broken tonight. Every pattern, every sin pattern in our lives, every bondage, every hindrance, may it be broken even under the sound of my voice, even right now. Right now, let the blood of Jesus begin to even work its way through every aspect of our lives, through our mind, will, emotions, soul, relationships, finances. Lord, let your precious blood be upon us and upon our children's children's children. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.